Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. Today is April 27th, 2022. Let's talk about Tyson Fury's victory over Dillian White. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Let me just say, in boxing, we've been spoiled, spoiled rotten. You have a guy, Muhammad Ali, the 1960s version, and the guy is straight out of central casting, right? Nobody fat, looks like an Adonis, is dancing around the ring, has early 20s, reflexes, right? Cat quick. He's fighting Sonny Liston. You see him just lean his head back suddenly, right? We look at that guy, and if I said to you, hey, he's the better athlete in the fight, everyone would nod. It's obvious. That's what we view an athlete in boxing as looking like, right? But what if the fighter is actually a few years into his 30s? What if he's flabby? What if he has obvious love handles? What if even with your glasses on, you can't find the guy's abs? If I said to you, hey, that guy's the better athlete in the fight, people are gonna laugh. They're not gonna believe you. That's the problem Tyson Fury faces because quite frankly, he is one of the best athletes in the heavyweight division. He clearly was the better athlete in this Dillian White fight. Let's talk about it. When we talk about athleticism, right, we're talking about the guy's coordination in doing different things. Now, it's obvious if you're someone who appreciates a back foot game, a guy who knows how to use length, in other words, he's standing upright. Maybe to casual fans, it looks like he's just hanging around, but you know he's standing upright, and when the other side jumps in, gets past his jab, you notice Tyson Fury is able to lean backwards. This isn't the tall guy leaning over the pocket, right? This isn't Sebastian Fundora. No, this is the tall guy who knows he's tall. Who understands that the other guy has to reach for him. This is the guy with coordination who can move left or right going backwards on demand at any time, regardless of the rhythm of the punches. This is the guy who's coordinated. So, He's keeping you outside with a jab, but he has other goodies. He has other punches. Not only that, he has other stances. And understand, when Tyson Fury goes southpaw, he's fully coordinated. So at first glance, a lot of people will say, oh, Dylan White is the better athlete than Tyson Fury. Folks, it's not even close. 
The last fight I saw, Tyson Fury in, where I thought the other guy was a better athlete, just based on how they moved and stuff like that, was the Otto Wallen fight. Now understand, Wallen has quick feet. Wallen is very coordinated. Tyson Fury is so frustrated in that fight, besides the cut, he's so frustrated that he has to try to bully Otto Wallen. He has to come inside the pocket, which you know is not his plan A. His plan A is to be outside, hide behind a jab, have goodies for you, outbox you, faint you out of your shoes, win round after round on the judges' scorecards. That's his plan A. It's on display in his win over Vladimir Klitschko. But you notice, when Tyson Fury gets frustrated by Steve Cunningham or by Otto Wallen, right, Cunningham, better athlete, much faster-handed than Tyson Fury, right? When Fury encounters that, that's when Fury decides to fight small. Now here, I just want you to close your eyes for a second and think about Mike Tyson, right? Tyson Fury's namesake, right? Think about how Tyson would get inside on you. Same thing with Joe Fraser. These are guys who would move their upper body while maintaining their balance, right? They'd be moving their upper body severely. Mike Tyson with his hands up on his chin would be waving his upper body. You couldn't find Tyson on the way in. And Tyson's shorter, but yet even that wasn't enough for Tyson because Tyson would bend at the waist. Folks, these moves aren't vanity moves. That's what Mike Tyson did to hide his upper body to get inside, to slip a guy's jab to get inside. And Tyson was cat quick in doing so. Right? Tyson would slip a jab suddenly. Oh, he's up on your body. You're getting hit with hooks to the body. You're getting hit with uppercuts. He's chopping you down. Can we agree that Dylan White doesn't have that level of upper body movement. Can we agree that Dylan White doesn't have that level of foot speed? Right? Dylan White is not sudden. Also, think about how unique Fury's height is. Dylan White is something like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so understand, Dylan White tends to be at least as tall as most of his opponents. You notice the height gap when he fights Anthony Joshua. Joshua's a taller man. But usually Dylan White is either taller or looking across at his opponent. Usually Dylan White has around the same reach if not a longer reach than his opponent. So the skill set that's required 
to slip a Tyson Fury jab and to get inside underneath Tyson Fury, Dylan White hasn't developed. Now, let me say this, and it's important. I have a lot of respect for Dillian White. He is a craftsman. He is a master in the pocket. His first fight against Alexander Povetkin, in many ways, is better than his second fight, right? In the first fight, he gets knocked out. But understand, Dillian White, Dillian White, control the pocket against Alexander Povetkin in that first fight. Now, I'll agree, Povetkin, the better athlete, was able to leave the pocket when he wanted. But when the two men were in the pocket, Dillian White was hitting him with a sledgehammer jab, hurt him, dropped him in that first fight, clearly was the better technician in the pocket. But that raises the question of what happens, and we saw it, when the opponent has length on their side and doesn't allow a pocket to form. Makes the fight dynamic instead of static. So what you had in this Dillian White-Tyson Fury fight was a great heavyweight who was the better athlete. Had a back foot game. Had back foot dexterity. He's shooting a jab on Dillian White. And White had no idea how to get inside. Right? No idea after the midway point of the second round. Now, we'll get back to this because there's a huge mistake in this fight. This fight might have ended differently. Dillian White gets out thought in this fight. I'm sure he's looking at the film and he's wondering what the hell he was doing. But understand, after the midway point of the second round, Right? Tyson Fury's flashing a jab. The two fighters descend into a pattern where Dillian is eating jabs. He's outside. Worse yet, Tyson Fury is moving. Now, this is a different kind of movement. This is 30-something movement, not 20-something movement, than what Ali would do. Right, Ali would get up on his toes and he would dance. That's what we called it. Right? He would dance. He'd be up on his toes and he'd be moving. Right? If you saw the movie Rocky Three, there's a moment in that movie where Apollo Creed is showing Rocky Balboa how to get up on his toes. Right? Here, when you're 30-something, you don't have that energy level in your legs. So what you have is a savvy guy who is quietly moving, right? Not dancing, but moving. He's using the balls of his feet, but he's not making a show of it. And he is maintaining 
distance with his space maker. And that's his jab. So Dillian White is being kept outside by movement, often lateral movement, behind a jab. Dillian, who doesn't have the Mike Tyson upper body movement, athleticism, or quickness, cannot slip the jab. Now, in fairness to him, let me make a couple of points here. The first point is, even fighters with great jabs start to get tired. Right? Even fighters with great jabs have a problem maintaining distance for the second half of the fight. Now, you see Dillian White's real agenda, I think it's in rounds five or six, where he tries to come in on Tyson Fury and he th tries to throw chopping right hands up top but he doesn't have ring coverage, right? He's not the guy who can throw that punch from across the street, which Deontay Wilder can do. That's one of the reasons why Wilder had success against Tyson Fury. Wilder has huge coverage on his punches. They still have power even when he's far away. Wilder's right hand up top is one of the best punches in the entire sport. That's what Fury just dealt with in his last fight, where he hit the canvas twice. Let's go one step further. Nevin Pakic, you know him? Because he dropped Tyson Fury off a chopping overhand right hand. Understand, that's the same punch that Steve Cunningham dropped Tyson Fury. That's the punch that Dillian White tries to land on Fury. But he's too far away. He can't get close enough. It's too early in the bout. Let me also point out, too, I named Ali... Let's talk about defense. You know, Ali, Larry Holmes, Tyson Fury, guys who could move, guys who had a jab, guys who often had a height advantage on their opponents, a reach advantage on their opponents. And when I mention Ali, I'm talking about the Ali of the 60s. He had a great run in the 70s, but he's a different fighter then. The Ali in the 60s doesn't have to rope-a-dope anybody. Right? Just understand, these guys prioritize movement. They'll go rounds with you. They prioritize stamina. So rather than keep their hands up, and carry their hands raised as they move. These fighters will keep their hands down around their waist. This way they can see you better. You can't see where they're throwing the jab from. 
Because their hands are around their waist, they have better balance. It allows them to move better. So the guys I just named all got knocked down multiple times. Right off the top of my head, I could tell you Sonny Banks and Henry Cooper dropped Ali. Right when Cooper dropped Ali, Ali was so badly hurt that Angelo Dundee would later admit that the corner came up with the glove thing that bought Ali time to recover in that fight. Right, you'll notice when Joe Fraser lunges in and drops Ali in their first fight, Ali's hands are down here. Right, between his waist and his shoulders. Larry Holmes gets dropped by Ronaldo Snipes. Almost lost his title. Larry Holmes got dropped hard by Ernie Shavers. Should have lost his title. Now, Tyson Fury has been dropped a few times, including the fight before this one. You'll notice, too, when Tyson Fury gets dropped, guys are able to catch Fury when Fury's hands are down. That chopping right hand that Dylan White tries on Fury in, like, round five or six... Right? Just understand, he didn't have the spacing. He didn't have the ring coverage. He's too far outside dealing with Fury's jab. Right? Fury is able to fight in an orthodox stance after the start of the second round. So Fury's throwing a jab. Dillian White never solves. Never how to get past his left jab after the midway point of the second round. Now let's talk about Dillian White. What was the punch that he got hit with by Prevetkin that had White out badly on the canvas? Folks, it's an uppercut. Right, it's a left uppercut. Go back to the Anthony Joshua fight. Now, Joshua hurts White with crosses, right? Joshua is one of the most blessed punchers I've ever seen, right? He's a blessed puncher, but Joshua doesn't have it together like George Foreman did. Foreman, blessed puncher, but Foreman had a construct, much better defense than Joshua. Right, great jab, and Foreman used it. Anthony Joshua, in his 30s, in my opinion, is still learning the sport. So Joshua hits White with some crosses. White's out on his feet. To end the show, Joshua hits White with an uppercut. It lands flush. White is the guy who, when he gets hurt... He's badly hurt. That's two fights where he gets nailed with uppercuts. Understand, while White is trying to land a chopping right hand that's similar to the pot kick 
and the Cunningham. Chopping right hands up top on 6-9. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's trying to land a game-ending uppercut on Dillian White. Now, Dillian White hasn't fully figured out how to block that uppercut. He still doesn't know. He gets caught with the uppercut. He's badly hurt. Now, I'll agree with him. He gets pushed after the uppercut. He hits his head on the canvas. When he gets off the canvas, he's not in condition to continue the fight. I'll agree that after he's hit, he's pushed. I'll agree that the push isn't exactly legal. But the people watching this video know I'd be lying to them if I told them that this is the first fight I've seen where a guy gets hit and then pushed to the canvas. Right, so Dillian White gets hit flush with the uppercut. He's badly hurt at a minimum. You're in the middle rounds of a fight where Dillian White still doesn't have a clue on how to get inside on Tyson Fury. Unfortunately for White, I think we all know that as Fury tired or would tire in the second half of the fight, Dillian White would have a better opportunity to try to throw that chopping overhand right. He didn't last long enough to do so. Right, He gets caught with an uppercut. This is the third time at least that Dillian White has been stopped off of uppercuts. Right, He needs to pick up the phone. He needs to call Evander Holofield. He needs to say, player, how do I get my hands like this? Maybe he needs to call George Foreman who also would have an arm bar to avoid being hit by uppercuts. Now let's talk about the big mistake in this fight, which was more competitive than the press is reporting. In the first round, now understand, Fury gets by in this fight by maintaining distance. He has a space maker. It's his jab. And he has length. And he has legs. So he's moving the pocket is changing. It's a mobile pocket, right? The static pocket that Dylan White would prefer never gets formed. It's a mobile pocket. Dylan White's getting hit with the jab. He doesn't have the foot speed or the upper body movement to slip the jab. And the problem when you're dealing with a guy with length is you can't really counterpunch your way in because counterpunching a guy who's far away from you is hard to do. But in the first round, and I know the guys announcing the fight made it sound like a gimmick. But in the first round, Dylan White does a jaw dropper. He comes out to fight this fight as a southpaw. Now, I'll agree. He looked awkward. You could tell this was a strategy put in place for this fight. Right? I'll agree with that. But understand, the strategy was working. Folks, as a southpaw, Dylan White was catching Tyson Fury's jab. Dylan White was able to get close to Tyson Fury. Understand, the first round, 
is one of Dylan White's best rounds of the entire fight. It's also important because, of course, the guy fighting Anthony Joshua is a southpaw. Dillian White comes out, shocks 94,000 people. Nobody expected him to do this. Comes out as a southpaw. He has Fury's jab time. The angles are different. Right? White's lead hand lines up with Fury's jab. So he's catching Fury's jab. Now, let's just say, if he were a Marvin Hagler, if he were a James DeGale, a Dimitri Pirog, a guy who could pivot, a guy who could be a southpaw one minute, then depending on how the combinations come back at it, swing his other leg in front of his right, switch to an orthodox stance, and then throw the chopping right hand up top. This could have been a different fight. In my favorites folder is a film on Marvin Hagler, done by the modern martial artists, where they talk about how Hagler would be in a southpaw stance, and then would switch to right-handed, and how it would catch their confused his confused opponent off guard. Dylan White didn't have that level of ambidexterity. Let me tell you, at 147, it might shock some people. Terence Crawford does. Right? It's skills like that one that separate the very good fighters, the contenders, from the great fighters, the Hall of Famers, right? Fury, Crawford. So, I saw the British feed for this fight. And the announcers, of course, were talking about how Dylan White's feet, as he was southpaw, didn't quite look coordinated. You could tell this was put in for this fight. Hey, who cares about how awkward he looks? <laughs> he wants to win the fight. One of Fury's most important punches is that space-making jab. You have to address it. Dillian White does in the first round. You want to know how much he addressed it? At the start of the second round, Fury, who understood he needed a space maker, comes out himself as a southpaw. Fury understood that he could not fight the fight as a righty if Dillian White was going to be able to catch his jab. Let me also point out, too, that White, who calls himself the body snatcher, has a hellacious left hook to the body. What Dillian White needed to win this fight was more courage. 
Yes, he's looking awkward early. It's a 12-round fight. If you're negating in any way, shape, or form Tyson Fury's jab, you've accomplished something significant. Let me also say, too, when you come out for the second round and Tyson Fury comes out southpaw, Dillian White switches back to regular. Okay. Dillian White's a natural righty. Okay, I get it. But when Fury then switches back to righty, what's White doing? At that point, don't you say, player, I'm going to switch back to lefty. I made you uncomfortable before. I'm going to make you uncomfortable now. He doesn't do it. Instead, and it's inexplicable, it's malpractice by Dillian White. Instead, he allows Fury to establish his jab. His left jab from an orthodox stance, his favorite stance. Folks, if you don't have Otto Wallen level foot speed, Steve Cunningham level foot speed, and athleticism, how are you going to beat him if you're wooden from the waist up? And you can't slip the jab. So the rest of the fight becomes an exercise in lateral movement, fury, shooting a jab, occasionally tying up Dillian White as White tries to lunge into the pocket. White's been betrayed by the fact that at 6'4", he's usually the taller guy in the ring. He doesn't know how to fight a guy taller than him. And it's shocking because he sparred with Tyson Fury. And he didn't have the courage to stick to fighting Southpaw. I would argue that White's best rounds are the first two rounds. By the time you get to the third round, and Tyson Fury is able to set up shop behind his main jab, his left jab. The fight's over. Understand, well before the knockdown, the fight settled into a pattern where viewers started thinking, okay, that's another round for Tyson Fury. Right, by the time of the knockdown, I started thinking, man, Dillian White's going to need to knock Tyson Fury down a few times in this fight to get back in it, if not knock him out. And that was by the middle of the fight. So I know after the fight, Dillian White was saying, hey, I didn't feel I was that badly outclassed. Right? Understand, he was outclassed. But not in the first round. The southpaw stance, in my opinion, as awkward as it looked, threw Tyson Fury. It got Fury thinking, hey, I need to switch. This fight should have descended into chaos, a switching contest. 
Right. What Dillian White needs to work on is what Marvin Hagler mastered. Come out of southpaw, have a way then to slide that other foot in front of your right leg and then get, you know, you're close enough to try to dust off Tyson Fury. That's what he needed to do. Instead, he gets jabbed to death from the outside. He keeps hoping Fury slows down. He doesn't make it to the second half of the fight. That's the fight I saw. I'm sure Dillian White is sitting down. Maybe he felt out of sorts in the first round. Maybe he's there as a southpaw and he thought, man, I feel awkward. 94,000 people. It always seems different at the event. Maybe he didn't realize how good he looked. If you're fighting Tyson Fury and you're catching that jab, his left jab isn't keeping you outside. You're not getting hurt by it. Your face is safe. It's not getting battered. There's no puffing. Then you're better off than most. At that point, you need to say, hey, I need to come back to this stance when I have to, to get this fight into the later rounds. Dillian White's never hurt in the first round. It wasn't like he was in a southpaw stance <laughs> and then suddenly was open to get hit. Let me just point out, too, Usyk is a better athlete than Dillian White. Right? This is opinion. This is my opinion. Usyk is savvy is a natural southpaw. He himself can switch, but he's a natural southpaw. I'm sure one of his top priorities, if he ever fights Tyson Fury, will be to neutralize Fury's jab. If you're doing that, why would you change strategy? Right? When Fury comes out for the second round as a southpaw, Dillian White should have thought to himself, hey, what I did in the first round is getting results. Instead, he abandoned his southpaw stance altogether. Big mistake. Let me close, too, by saying Tyson Fury is a great fighter. People need to take his threat to walk away from the sport seriously. It's happened before many times in boxing. Let's talk about another member of boxing royalty, a Hall of Famer, Sugar Ray Robinson. Understand, this was the man. Perhaps the best ever at welter. He then goes up to middleweight, and he's the man at middleweight. He got tired of the sport of boxing. He gave an interview. I believe it's on YouTube where he talked about how he didn't like getting hit in the head. He had one thing he needed to do before retiring. He went up to light heavyweight, fought Joey Maxim, was winning the fight, and then had to quit due to heat exhaustion.
right? They stopped the fight. If you look at the film, it's riveting. Please Google Ray Robinson, Joey Maxim. Ray's ahead on the cards. He's about to take the light heavyweight title. It's a 15-round fight, not a 12-round fight. And he wilts, right? Joey Maxim would later say, hey, I was out there too in the heat, right? I didn't wilt, right? Well, let me just say, Carlos Monzon, understand this guy, if you have a short list of the great middleweights in history, Monzon's on it, right? Monzon had a record number of title defenses at middleweight. Nobody beat Monzon when he was middleweight champion, right? He had lost earlier in his career. But when he gets the belt, nobody beats him. But Monzon got bored with the sport. He walks away from it. Right? Tyson Fury, by the way, Ray Robinson, walked away from the sport so he could become a dancer. I'm not making this up. Right? He wanted to be like Sammy Davis Jr. He wanted to be a dancer, a singer, an entertainer. He then returns to the sport later, but he's no longer Ray Robinson. Had some great fights, don't get me wrong, the Gene Fulmer fights and stuff like that, but he's no longer Ray Robinson. Now you have Tyson Fury. Folks, he's been the lineal for longer than you think. Understand, before the Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko fight, Tyson Fury had already fought Klitschko, had already taken his titles, and was already the lineal. Right? He's talking, like Ray Robinson, of doing things that he wants to do. Right? He's talking about fighting, you know, MMA. He's talking about making Floyd Mayweather money. Folks, Mayweather's making a mint off fights like the Logan Paul fight. In other words, Tyson Fury is really tired of the sport of boxing. He's not going to use that word. I'll use the word. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not afraid of anybody. Right? Let's get this right. He signed to fight Anthony Joshua. That fell through. His team was negotiating with the Joshua team to get Joshua to step aside so that he could fight Usyk. That fell through. He's already fought Wilder three times. Right, by the way, that Wilder Fury or Fury Wilder trilogy is gonna be one of the defining set of fights for this generation. Right, that's the top spot for the heavyweights. You're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, Fury was knocked down multiple times? That 12th round of the first fight. That Fury survives literally by one second. Right? The ref says nine. Fury is still getting up. That's going to be legendary. But understand, Fury's not afraid of anybody, even though I privately feel Usyk gives him a very rough fight. 
Rather, you're battling a bigger opponent. You're battling the opponent of boredom. Right? That's what happened to Ray Robinson. That's what's happening to Tyson Fury. Right? I don't think we get to Tyson Fury against the winner of Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk. What might happen is after the winner of that fight and whoever else, the new group, right, and that Zhang Ergovic fight is front and center to me in terms of determining the, he the rest of the heavyweight division. Right, now that you have the new group that's in the building, Tony Yoka, I hear you. Big baby, I hear you. Now that you have the new group in the building, there is a possibility, I've seen this before, that Tyson Fury waits until the dust settles, until the new group picks whoever their champion is. And then he makes a reappearance. Right? And says, okay, I'm going to fight you. Right? It'd be a huge purse. Right? Understand, Fury's next fight, whether it's this year or two years from now, is going to be a bonanza. Right? He just got 94,000 people, folks. Let's say Tony Yoka, gold medalist in the Olympics, or my choice to consolidate, Ergovic, emerges. Right? Tyson Fury is going to be able to get at least what he got here. The young guy is going to make the mistake young guys always make. This guy's a dinosaur. This guy belongs in a museum. Right? Look at me. I'm young. I'm fresh. I'm current. This guy is from years ago. And we're going to end up with another classic. But just don't expect it now. I've listened carefully to what Fury's had to say. Right? Fury isn't the guy who's saying, hey, man, they're not offering me enough. He's not unhappy with how he's been treated in boxing. This is a different persona. This is the guy who has dominated. He, he's privately known that he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best heavyweights in history. Right? And so this is him reaching a point where He's a family man. He has a wife. He has a bunch of kids. Uh, he's in his 30s. You're only young once. He wants to change the scenery. Right? I know. Fighting family. I've heard some of the comments from the people around him saying, what else is he going to do? Trust me, a guy who wants out is going to find a lot of things to do. Right? I think Tyson Fury takes time off. I know Lennox Lewis, who was undisputed, is saying he hopes Fury joins him in the undisputed club. Right? Here's the problem. A guy like Fury understands that history is replete with great champions who were not undisputed. Right? As Fury himself put it, he's never really been a money guy. Right? Well, guess what? He has more money than he can spend right now. Right? He doesn't want to be the guy 
who starts living life outside of boxing in his 40s. Right? So I get the feeling that Fury, who is a fan of the sport of boxing, this is really a bigger indictment. He's a fan of the sport of boxing. He's just bored with his own career. I get the feeling Fury's going to still be at fights for friends like Joseph Parker, right? That Parker fight coming up against Joe Joyce. Wow. Right? It won't take much to get Fury in front of a mic. He loves the camera. But I do think it's going to take him a hell of a lot to get him in front of Usyk or Joshua at this stage. That's how I see it. Those are my thoughts. Let me hear from you. Please feel free to comment on any part of this video. Just understand, as I was looking at this fight, I thought, okay, White looks awkward in a southpaw stance, but he's being effective. <laughs> I thought, wow, didn't see this one coming. He's neutralizing Fury's jab. Then he gets away from it. And then we end up seeing Fury's jab landing with regularity. And you knew, wow, White's losing every round. This could end ugly. And it did for him.